It's kind of interesting that sometimes pastors feel, for some reason, compelled to apologize for reading a long passage of Scripture. I'm going to read a long passage of Scripture this morning, and it might help if you follow along with me. I do not have slides for for all of these uh, verses. Um, I do have some of the ones we're going to focus in on for the remainder of the, of the message. I will be putting those up on the, um, on the overhead. Uh, before I read anything, let me remind you of what we find in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30, where the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever, but now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And this is one of dozens and dozens of verses in the Bible that speak directly of honor. And then in addition to the dozens of verses that that speak directly to honor, we see many others that point to honor. Uh, They may not have the word honor in them. Um, For for example, when Jesus speaks of people receiving him, um, receiving him is a, a way of showing honor to him. So you may not see the word honor in that verse, but that is, uh, is exactly what it's implying. Another verse that are set of verses, category of verses, that speak indirectly to honor are the ones that speak of loving God and loving other people, especially when the root word is agape, because agape is love based upon respect and esteem, or, or literally it's love based upon honor, or a love that reflects honor. So when Jesus says, how can you love me, whom you've never seen, and not love your brother who's standing in front of you? You know, he says that, in words, if you say you love me and you don't love the brother that you can see, um, then you're, the truth's not in you. In other words, we, we love God by loving other people. And so we also see that both love and honor carry that same quality, that it it, it transcends, it translates, um, meaning I can honor you uh, correctly, and by correctly and and genuinely, sincerely honoring you, it translates into me honoring God. In other words, he receives it as honor uh, to him. And so... You know, these things are very, very important for us to understand. But as we've pointed out now for several weeks in a row, while we see that God loves the whole world, He doesn't honor everyone because our love for His love for us is based upon who He is and His choice to love us. But His ability to honor you, and by the way, He desires to honor all of His children, but His ability to honor um, you is, is based upon your willingness to honor Him. So we could even say His ability to honor you is in direct proportion to your willingness to honor Him. Now, what we find in John chapter 5 is a great lesson on honor, and we do see the words in here a few times, but it's the bigger picture of what's going on And really, when I say it's a lesson on honor, it's really a lesson, I guess sadly, on dishonor and and the results in people's lives and and hearts um, who refuse to honor or who actually dishonor Jesus. And so what's happening here, and we see this multiple times in the Gospels, Jesus healed somebody according to the religious establishment, on the wrong day, okay? Um, and all this was about their control and their self-righteousness. And so they believed that the Sabbath was a holy day and that no work should be done uh, on that day. And, of course, that's based upon what God said to them in, in the law of Moses. But we also see, like, there were all kinds of allowances that they made one that was uh, frequently made was if one of their animals, uh, one of their livestock, um, let's say had fallen in a ditch or was injured in some way, that they would exert the effort, even if it was the Sabbath day, um, to minister to their, their animal. And so when they would accuse Jesus of, of healing somebody on the wrong day, you should, you know, you, 
there's, there's six days people can come and be healed. And there's no need to heal them on, on the Sabbath day. Jesus would frequently point out to them, look, you know, if, if one of your animals needed help on the Sabbath, you would, you would help that animal. So how much more, how much more should this child of God uh, be served and, and ministered to on the Sabbath? It wasn't that Jesus only healed on the Sabbath. We know Jesus healed early and often every day of the week, okay? But it was the healings on the Sabbath that particularly chapped the hides of the religious establishment. And, and as I've said many times, I'll say again, um, don't kid yourself. Those religious demons um, are still alive and well on planet Earth. They may, they may not manifest themselves exactly in that way, but, but these people, as Jesus pointed out, that they're of their father, the devil. Um, they, they wear long robes. They have Bible verses hanging from their foreheads, and, 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 um, and they outwardly appear to be the epitome of righteousness. But Jesus said, inwardly they're full of dead men's bones. And so this is the confrontation yet again Jesus has healed uh, someone on the Sabbath, and then he told that man to take up his bed of infirmity, his bed of sickness, and, and, and go home. And so he got pulled over by the religious police for carrying his bed on the wrong day. And, of course, you know, like any person that gets pulled over and is fixing to be given a citation, we try to come up with an excuse, and they're like, hey, listen, somebody in greater authority than you told me to do it. Right? I'm just doing what I was told. I was told to take up my bed and, and, and walk. Okay? So, and, and, of course, that didn't carry any water with those folks because they, they knew who it was, right, who told First of all, they, there wasn't a lot of people healing crippled folks in those days. Jesus was pretty much the only one, right? And so, and so it had to be Jesus who, um, who told him this. All right? And so I'm going to pick it up in verse uh, 16. And, again, let's just enjoy the Scriptures together this morning. It says, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus, and sought to kill him. And that's not an exaggeration, by the way. They, they, in other words, they, it's, it's not just that they're like wanting to uh, correct him and rebuke him. They're wanting to do away with him. They're wanting to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Now, here is one thing we need to learn from these religious pointed heads. Are you ready? To be the child of God means you're a part of his family. That, that, that you are not a mere man any longer, but as a born again. Remember, he came to his own people, and his own people rejected him but as many as received him anybody in here received him okay then to you he's given the right the power the privilege the opportunity the advantage to become a child of god and then later we see in the scriptures it says and because you're sons all right because you're sons there's a whole lot of things that are true about you that are not true about someone who has not been born again because you're sons you have advantages you have privileges you have benefits you have access amen to god and position with him that others do not have. Verse 19, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. For whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself does, and He will show Him greater works than these that you may marvel. Now, some of the implied honor here, right? In other words, Jesus has not yet used the word honor but everything he is saying is an example for us to learn from on what it means to honor his father. Would it be honor or dishonor to get out ahead of someone in authority and do something that they haven't asked you to do or instructed you to do or whatever? See, it would be dishonor. When Jesus is trying to explain to them, he's like, look, you're upset with me for healing this man. But the only reason I healed this man on this day was because my father instructed me to do it. Now, what, with, without going into a whole... We could have started in verse 1 of chapter 5. The, the, the man in question was at this place called the Pool of Bethesda. And the Bible says it was, it was a whole pavilion, a porch. It was, it was an area that um, they brought sick people. And an angel would come and trouble the water. And the first person to get in the water 
after the water was troubled by the angel, would be healed. And so this, this particular man that Jesus healed on that day, right, Jesus asked him, you know, uh, would you like to be healed? He said, yes, sir, but I, I can't roll myself over into the water. Every time the water's troubled, somebody beats me in there. And so Jesus, obviously, you know, well, there's no need to get in the water, and, and Jesus healed him. What we sometimes overlook is that the one man Jesus healed on that day, there could have been a hundred, maybe way more than that, okay, that were there that needed healing. But this is the only man Jesus healed. Now, you said, Pastor Mark, do you you understand that? I I mean, I understand it in in the sense that this was was what Father had um, designed that day. And exactly why that man, I mean, we've got some answers. We could preach a series of sermons on that. But, but I'm simply wanting to point out to you that Jesus didn't just go up there and decide to do this. When he says, I can do nothing of myself, and I don't do anything unless my father shows me to do it or tells me to do it. First of all, he's honoring his father, but he's also trying to explain to these religious people, you're, you're angry with me, and, and I'm simply doing what my father and who should be, you should be honoring, recognizing as your father has instructed me to do. Are you seeing this? All right. Let's keep going here. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that he, and that he Himself does, and He will show Him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. All right, so here we're getting specific, right? Jesus is talking specifically about honor. And notice the transitive property. Notice that um, not only when you honor the Son do you honor the Father, but that if you dishonor the Son, it makes it impossible for you to honor the Father. You, you, You can't do one without the other. You can't honor one without honoring the other, nor can you dishonor one without dishonoring the other. Are you, are, you, are you noticing this? Okay. So what Jesus is, is, is simply asking them to do here is recognize that, that, that Father God is honoring His actions and efforts on earth. In other words, I know this is going to seem like a stretch to some of you, but, but just pray it out and seek it out. When, every time Jesus would, um, would bring healing to, to someone... It was, a, it was a manifestation, and that's a big word like mayonnaise, okay? What does manifestation mean? It, it, was, it was a public, visible a sign, if you will, of God honoring him. It, remember, he was crowned with glory and honor. And, and, and God honored Jesus by working through him the way he did because Jesus honored the Father. Remember, God honors those who honor him. So we see the honor of God working, we see it upon Jesus, but we also see it working through Jesus, and it's because of the measure by which Jesus honored His Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Let let me see if we can say it another way. Um, People were always wanting Jesus to to show them a sign. What does that mean? It, It means they were wanting... I don't mean to trivialize it, but it was almost like they, they wanted Jesus to do a trick for them. Show us what you got, Jesus. You know, come on, do, do, do something. Bro. Just, you know, whip something out for us right, right here. And, and, and part of that was because they were trying to uh, wrap their brains around Jesus. In other words, they were, they were trying, to, not their hearts, their brains. They were trying to figure him out with their intellect. They were trying to receive him with their ability to, uh, to, to, to rationalize and intellectualize. And, 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 and so um, they kept wanting him to do something miraculous um, because they still weren't sure. They still had questions in, in, in their minds. Well, the, the, the reality of it is the, the brain is not where faith uh, functions. Faith functions in the heart. And the only way you're ever going to receive uh, uh, Jesus and believe Jesus is is with the heart, and so it's amazing that they you know t- to me on the outside looking in all these things that Jesus had already done supernatural miraculous things undeniable miracles and notice their brain kept asking for more 
kept asking for more. All right? And so um, Jesus obviously is, uh, you know, what's missing here is, is the honor. And, and until they honor him with their hearts, they're going to remain blinded to these things. All right, now let's keep going here. Most assuredly, verse 24, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. Now that's really important right there, okay? What we know from the rest of the scriptures is that because we have received for ourselves what Jesus has done for us, we will not come into judgment. What does that mean? It means our sins have already been judged and punished, and we have accepted the judgment and the punishment for our sins that Jesus received and bore for us. So, of course, what we do know is that we as God's children will one day be judged, but not whether or not we're going to enter into heaven or hell. We will be judged based upon what we've done with what we were given and we'll either be rewarded for that or not rewarded for that, okay? So, amen. That's what Jesus is referencing here. And, of course, we have a lot more uh, on this subject uh, elaborated upon, expounded upon in other places in the Scripture. Is it okay if we do a little teaching this morning? Y'all still with me? All right. So, he says, um, but has passed, will not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming which, in which all who are in the graves will hear the voice of will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of my own self do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Okay, again, there's your implied honor. Jesus is honoring his Father by doing what his Father wants him to do, as opposed to what his flesh may want to do, or what his own agenda may have been. Now you say, Pastor Mark, he was the son of God and, and, and he never had that conflict. Well, you haven't read the scriptures. And where it's, where it's most obvious is in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, just hours before he's going to be arrested and beaten and crucified. He is all but begging his father for another uh, way to, uh, and some other way to avoid um, what we call his passion uh, his, his punishment, his crucifixion. And, and he kept saying, Father, if there's some way, let this cup pass from me. But what would he say every time he would ask that question? But not my will, your will be done. So do you see how this is Jesus honoring his Father? He's honoring his Father by not doing his, uh, his will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, this bears a, you know, a brief mention. When Jesus says that there's coming a day and now is when the dead will hear his voice and live, this, is both, this includes both those who are spiritually dead but still biologically alive, and it also includes, if, if, if you've read uh, Matthew's gospel, it also includes the literal dead, right, who were the righteous dead who were held in Abraham's bosom, Jesus went and preached to them, and the Bible says that he took those that were held captive and, and, and led, led them to freedom. And listen, he's God, all right? So what I'm about to say may shock some of you. It's in the Bible, but as Brother Keith Moore says, or maybe Brother Copeland, I forget, but I, I like it anyway. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you don't have any trouble with that verse, then you're not going to have any trouble with anything that follows in the Bible. But if you struggle with that verse, then you're going to struggle with a lot of other supernatural things that you find in the Bible. And so the God who created heaven and earth, right, uh, Jesus went and preached the, the, the righteous dead, heard the voice of God, and the Bible says that there were seen, visibly seen, people walking the streets of Jerusalem um, upon Jesus' entry into uh, uh, the underworld, right, that they heard the voice of God and were raised from the dead and were seen walking the streets of Jerusalem, people who had been dead for years. 
You're talking about power in the blood and power in the word, power in the completed work of Jesus. So Jesus goes and he preaches the gospel to these folks. And they hear it, they believe it, they receive it. And, and the grave can't hold them, death can't hold them anymore. There's a lot of folks, it's like, where, see, there's a lot of confusion about this in the body of Christ. I was recently asked about this yet again. For the born-again believer, paradise is no longer Abraham's bosom, somewhere separate from the throne of God. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection relocated paradise. And remember what he told the thief on the cross, today you'll deal with me in paradise. You say, yeah, well, paradise could have been the same place in Abraham's bosom, except for when the apostle Paul went to the third heaven where the throne of God is, he said it's now the paradise of God. So for the born-again believer now to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you've got a loved one who died in Christ, they're not, their body may be in a, in a grave or a mausoleum or something of that effect, uh, a, a urn full of ashes. Um, but the, that real person, right, um, that's just their, their tent, their clothes, so to speak, their earth suit. That, that, that loved one is, is, is in the presence of God. To be absent from the body is, the Bible says, to be present with the Lord. And so, amen, I said brief comments on that, but, but do you see all these things that Jesus is referring to here? Now, verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. In other words, if Jesus is saying, look, if I'm just making all this up or coming up with this myself, then don't believe a word I'm saying. But there's another who bears witness of me, and I know the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John... And he bore witness to the truth. Now, if you've read this uh, in just a few chapters over in the early parts of, of John, they actually brought John in and interrogated him because they were uh, trying to figure out whether or not he was the Messiah because of the big splash that he made when he stepped on the forefront of human history. And John told him in no uncertain terms that I am not the one. But I have been sent to let you know that the one is here among you and, and, and you will soon know him. And, 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 of course, and he said, I'm not worthy to, to tie his shoes or carry his water bottle, right? But, and he's speaking of Jesus. All right, so let's keep going. If I bear witness to myself, witness is not true. You have, I'm sorry, let's go to verse 34. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. Right? Notice Jesus wasn't, how do I? How do I say this? Listen to me, please. All right. <clears throat> Jesus was talking to a whole bunch of people who, who basically talk to hear themselves talk. You understand what I mean by this? They, they did what they did and called it ministry to be recognized by people as great orators, as wise men, as holy men of God to be you know, uh, highly esteemed. And so it was all about their reputation. It was, it was all about, you know, what they did and how it made them look when they did it and, and all of these other things. It, it seems so, such a simple thing here, and, and, and we don't understand the, the context of this comment, but what Jesus is saying here is like, look, what, what I'm doing, I'm doing for you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this to promote myself. I'm not doing this to try to gain some position of recognition amongst the people for myself. As a matter of fact, when Jesus would do just amazing miracles, sometimes like raise people from the dead, uh, heal people that were born blind, he would, he would almost beg them, please do not tell anybody about this. Please don't. And everybody's like, well, that's just reverse psychology, Pastor Mark. He was wanting them to tell. Are you kidding me? Jesus doesn't play those games. When Jesus is saying, don't tell, he's like, listen, if, if you want to thank me for doing this, first of all, thank my father because he told me to heal you today, okay? And why he told me to heal you and not the thousand other blind people in this city, I don't know, but he told me to heal you, okay? And now I'm asking you, please don't go tell people that I did it. You say, why is that? It's because Jesus was not trying to be a rock star. Jesus was not trying to have thousands of, of screaming fans he was looking for disciples. He was not looking for fans. He was, he was not looking for a huge following. He was looking for followers. He was looking for people who were willing to sit at his feet and let him assimilate himself into them. Not a whole bunch of people who just wanted to touch him one day or get his autograph. Yet that was what the religious... See, part of what the, the, was going on with the religious establishment is they were jealous. 
you know, they're thinking, man, if, if we could do what he did, we would be the catch me out. I mean, we would be, we would be, is it Time Magazine person of the year? You know, we, we would be, we would, we would have the, the, the most popularity, the most uh, Instagram followers, all this other stuff, whatever it is in, in our common day vernacular. And Jesus is like, I, I don't receive testimony of men. In a minute, he's going to say, I don't receive glory from men. He says, but I'm saying these things to you that you may be saved. He said, John was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's. He's talking about John the Baptist now. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But look, look, look at me again now. You do realize, though, that if they had been present the day John the Baptist baptized Jesus, they would have heard his voice. So what Jesus is, is basically saying here is like, guys, you missed it because when I was baptized and, and the Holy Spirit descended upon me in the form of a dove, my father spoke audibly from heaven and confirmed. He, he, he set his seal of approval on me by an audible, verbal voice that people present could hear declaring me to be his son and him being well pleased with me. Now, <clears throat> verse 38, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, whom God sent, him you do not believe. Now let's stop right here, all right? We're going to see in other places in the Gospels as well as when we move into the epistles why, why God's Word did not abide in these people. And it wasn't because the Word of God was not available to them. As odd as it may sound to you, these people knew the Word of God perhaps better than any person on planet earth other than Jesus. Some of these men could quote the Old Testament backwards. You've ever heard he knows that or she knows that frontwards and backwards? That's rooted in um, this uh, you know, regimen that started with some of these religious leaders when they were very young to not only know the Scriptures, to not only learn the Old Testament, to, to memorize the Old Testament, but then to be able to start at the last book of the Old Testament and quote it backwards, all right? So he's saying to people who had that kind of Bible knowledge, God's Word does not abide in you. They're probably looking at each other and like, this idiot carpenter from Nazareth has no idea who we are, okay? But... It's one thing for it to be in your head, right? But it's another thing for it to be in your heart and for you... See, when it's in your heart, it changes your perspective. It changes the way you look at things, the way you see things. Now, why was it in their heads but not in their hearts? Well, we see in other places, it was in, in other locations in the Scripture that, that they had not given God's Word place in their lives. And that's key right there. He said, my word does not abide in you because my word has no place in you. You see, when you give something place, it, it refers to the priority. It refers to the importance. <clears throat> Here's the word again. It refers to the honor that you give it. Okay? Are you, are you following me? Yes? All right. Some folks last night uh, at the wedding, um, when they came into the reception, they sat at the table that was reserved for me and my family, okay, which was fine. And about halfway through uh, the reception, they realized that, and they came over to me to apologize. And I said to them, I said, look, um, if you're at that table and that table's for my family, you're in the right place. You're my family, right? So please don't get, don't get all flustered about, oh, do we need to move? I said, of course not. 
Of course, Mark McClellan knew he didn't need to move. Thank, thank God he's been with me long enough he knows me, right? He just, took the, he just turned the sign down or put it under the table. Of course, we made a joke about it later, all right? Okay. So when we talk about place, right, we're, we're, we're talking about the place that, 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 that it's a place of honor. Right? Why was that table reserved for me and my family? It was, it was a place of honor, right, towards the front so we could see everything else. So I'm just, maybe that's just because it's fresh on my mind. I'm just trying to use that as an example. So the, the word of God that these people had memorized had no place uh, in, in them um, because of their low esteem of it, because of their failure uh, and lack of honor, their failure to honor, their lack of honor for it, okay? Now, listen to this verse 39. All right, I think I do have... Um, amen. you get anything out of this this morning? We've still got communion. Can you, can you hang in here just a few more minutes? Yeah, are you good? Are you good? Okay. Um, I sometimes do this. I, I occasionally do this. Um, and the same, uh, for those of you here who were here Wednesday night, the same flow uh, is coming from the Lord this morning as, as was Wednesday night. Um, Wednesday night's message is entitled The Final Frontier of Discipleship. And I mentioned a little bit in the beginning of um, of, the, of the message this morning, or the service this morning. I want to encourage you, if, if you have, if you will, uh, give it place in your life, and make it a priority, take some time to go and, and listen to that message. And, and, and part of what the Holy Spirit was, was saying, none of that was in my notes, by the way, um, for those of you here, who are here Wednesday night. Um, I, I really feel like it, that was just utterance from the Holy Spirit. But what, what so I'm going to say what he did, um, is we, we looked at, you know, a, a history of things that the Holy Spirit has been unveiling and emphasizing to the body of Christ for the past, at least in my lifetime, you know, past 40-something years. And how all of that has, has led us to this final frontier of discipleship, which is really the mystery that was revealed to God's people through the Apostle Paul, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay? And, and the hope of glory doesn't mean an expectation of heaven when you die. He's talking about the glory of God that's now inside of us. Right? And so anyway, we're, we're kind of in that uh, same uh, conversational teaching flow this morning. I didn't anticipate that, but, but obviously the Lord uh, did. So let's, let's push on through because the, these are the verses that I, if I'd have just started this morning, these were the ones that I had planned initially to start with. So Jesus says to them, you search the scriptures. If you, if you look at this in other more literal translations, I mean, they scoured them. They, uh, I think the message translation says you keep your nose in the Bible all the time, right? And, you know, we think, well, man, that's good. That's a spiritual person, keeps their nose in the Bible all the time. Well, he says, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. Now, let's stop here, because this is another place where it says honor, but the context gives the implication of, uh, I mean, it says love, but the context is the, the honor, right? The respect, the esteem. This is agape, okay, which, which is love is an act of the will based upon the respect, the respect or esteem or value that you have for either God or another person, okay? But I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Now, in all of these verses, um, the Bible says in the last days people will always be learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. There's different, there's different reasons for that. But one is, the Bible says that they will not endure sound doctrine. Okay? Will not endure sound doctrine. And so, 
if we've, if we've done nothing but build up our endurance this morning, then we've, we're going to call it a win. I believe we're doing more than that, okay? But, you know, our ability to, uh, to sit, you know, and participate in the uh, teaching and learning of the Word of God for an exp- extended period of time is, is very, very important, okay? Um, not that I would ever bother to take any of the classes, but uh, it's very popular right now uh, for pastors to go learn how to make an entire service, uh, you know, less than, you know, 40 minutes, you know, because they say, listen, people's attention spans, right, these days, and there, this is an Instagram world, this is a Facebook world, this is a, you know, soundbite world, and, you know, after about a 10 or 15 minute sermon, people are not going to hear anything you have to say. Well, listen, um, God help us, or just come on and get us now. Um, if, if, are you hearing me? You, you do know that I can't teach you everything you need to know to live your best life, you know, 45 minutes uh, once a week, twice a week. It, amen. I mean, it's, it's just that simple, right? Obviously, I'm not your only teacher, and, and most importantly, the Holy Spirit is wanting to take what, what He emphasizes to us when we're together. The Holy Spirit wants to take that and, and continue to speak to you about it not just while you're here uh, present, but, but, you know, after you leave, as, as you seek Him on a continual basis um, in, in your own life, right? Um, and so, you know, enduring sound doctrine means we, we have to be able to focus, and, and part of the reason why um, we, we see uh, um, this, this shorter and shorter attention span uh, is, is because... Um, you know, we don't want to endure. We don't want to push through when we start thinking about lunch or the first growl of the stomach or the first thought of, um, you know, whatever we're going to watch on TV later. And, and next thing you know, we become distracted. And what God's trying to say to us starts sailing right over our heads and hearts. All right. So in this passage, <clears throat> we see two devastating results caused by lack of honor. And those two devastating results are these. Refusing to honor God will blind you to the truth even when it's right in front of your eyes. And refusing to honor God will cause your faith to be weak and ineffective. Really and truly, weak and ineffective isn't even accurate. It's worse than that. Jesus says it won't work at all. How can you believe? How can you believe, right? when you're more interested in what people think of you and what honor you can manipulate out of them instead of seeking to honor the, the, the true and only God. Now, let's start with this first one. The religious establishment did not see Jesus as the Messiah. They saw Him as a rival. They saw Him as a rival. That's why Jesus was trying to explain to them. He's like, I'm not here to compete with you. I'm not here to try to outdo you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here. Because that was their world. That, that, that was the dog-eat-dog, climb the ladder, push other people down so you can rise higher. That, that, that was their mindset. That was their mentality. And so they looked at Jesus that way. They thought that was what Jesus was all about. And so this is why they refused to acknowledge what they were seeing and witnessing. It's why, it's why the more good he did, the more they wanted to shut him down and even kill him. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? I, I don't, I don't want to be... I, in other words, if, if, people are, if people are being helped, remember what Jesus said, the disciples came to Jesus being tattletale. Do you all remember that word from our kid childhood? Being a tattletale, right? They came to Jesus being a tattletale. Jesus, Jesus, there's some people over in another city that are casting out demons in your name, and, and, and we need to shut them down. Jesus said, hey, don't you shut them down. If they're not against us, they're for us. See, Jesus wasn't threatened by that. I think that's part of the reasons why some of the things that we're looking at on, on Wednesday night is that, did you know that, that Jesus was given a glory from God, His Father, on this earth that before he left and returned to heaven, he gave to you and me. The Father, you, he said, Father, the glory that you've given me, I now give to them. And that glory was in him, and every miracle he performed 
was a manifestation, a, 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 literally an opening of the, of the lid and, 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 and a revealing of the glory that resided in him. Same glory that's in every born-again believer right now. It's in you. Same glory that, that, that raised the dead and all that is, is in you right now. And you don't have to believe that, but you don't have to acknowledge it. But we, we the Wednesday night crew's acknowledging it. Are we not, guys and gals? Amen. We, obviously, you've got to acknowledge the good things that are in you, okay? All right. So, people struggle with that concept because they think God is like, is like they are. They, they think that, that they don't want, you know, uh, what's the right word here? Um, uh, we want credit for everything we do. You know, we don't want anybody stealing our show or stealing our thunder or blah, blah, blah. You know, as a, and man, listen, Father God is sharing it. He's not, Jesus is not threatened by other people casting out demons in his name. As a matter of fact, if you want to know how Jesus responds to that, read it in the book of Luke. The Bible says when the 80 returned with joy after Jesus sent them out and they came back talking about all the devils that were cast out in his name and all the people that were healed in his name, the Bible says that Jesus was so full of joy that he jumped up in the air and spun around. See, the religious establishment is just the opposite of that. You know, they want their name on everything. They want their name on every church van. They want their name on every, everything because they want it to be about them. And that's how they thought Jesus. See, remember they asked Jesus one time, they said, who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus is like, it's... It, it has nothing to do with who I make myself out to be. It has everything to do with who my Father has made me to be. But see, their whole thing was carefully crafting this, this, this outward image, this reputation, the, the, and how people see them. And so the religious establishment did not see Jesus as the Messiah because they saw him as a rival. Now... The other side of that coin is choosing to honor God will open your eyes to truth in ways nothing else can. Okay? Yeah? Let me, I know it's time for communion. Let's, uh, let's talk just a second and we'll do communion. Um... I'm going to use the word see. But you understand what I mean by see? See is like when you've received what the Bible calls revelation. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, the, the, I'm, amen. Revelation comes by the Holy Spirit. This is what the Lord told me this morning, okay? It comes by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit when it comes by the Holy Spirit, this means that you're able to see something, some, some level or degree of God's truth and reality, amen, that you were previously blinded to, and, the, and it, it, it never happened but by the Holy Spirit, okay? So revelation comes by the Holy Spirit, but revelation comes from the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit, from the Word of God. Notice I'm, I'm, I'm all caps the, the, uh, the prepositions here, all right? But... It comes through a door of honor. You can have the Holy Spirit in your heart and the Bible in your hand and never receive revelation because there's no door for that revelation to come through in your life if there's a lack of honor for God in your life. Are you seeing this? It comes by the Holy Spirit. And if you're born again, He's yours, He's in you. Okay, And it comes um, from the Word of God. And so that's why you need to study to show yourself approved. It's why you need to you know, faith, not by having heard, but by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, okay? All that's extremely important. But you can have that. You, you can have the Word, just like these men had the Word, okay? And we see that God's Spirit was there. When Jesus was in their presence, God's Spirit was there. But did they receive any revelation? No. Why did they not receive any revelation? Because there was no, uh, there was no door for that revelation to pass through into their lives. And so our honor for God will open that door, or our lack for honor, our lack of honor for God will keep it closed shut. Amen. Are you seeing that? Okay. All right. We'll, we'll pick it back up here next Sunday. Stand with me this morning. So I meant to say something about this at offering time and even before we started this morning. But we will be enjoying communion together. And it is self-serve. And if, if you uh, have not received or picked up uh, 
your communion emblems, please feel free to just do that. They're on the two tables as you come in the back door. And um, uh, listen, we're all home-focused families, so uh, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't just a couple of you and you feel awkward doing it. So, um, amen. So, the, uh, the Lord's Supper, as this is often referred to, or uh, communion, um, this is something that Jesus practiced with, with uh, his disciples in accordance with the Old Testament. But it's also something now that, that has continued forward into the New Testament. But this time it's not just a recalling of the uh, exodus from slavery in Egypt, but it's a recalling of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus that uh, has ushered in this new covenant that we enjoy uh, with God. And Jesus t- t- told us to do this as often as we do it in remembrance of Him. So um, maybe you've been in like a more traditional church and they have the table in front of the pulpit and usually engraved on the front of that table uh, uh, in, in remembrance of me. And I, when I was a kid, you know, I thought that was cool, but I thought it was like when you go pray, you pray in remembrance of God. And I later understood that was the table where you put the communion on and it was... The, the message that Jesus had delivered when he gave us these instructions. And so, um, as we've said uh, multiple times already, honor is something you do. Um, never let fond feelings in your heart for the Lord uh, deceive you into thinking that, that that's the same as honoring him. Um, honor is something you do, and this is as as important as it is and as simple as it is Doing this with the right heart and the right attitude is something that gives tremendous honor um, to Jesus. Okay, and so um, let's pull back the, uh, the. Some of you already done it. Amen. Let's uh, remove the wafer and um, and let's pray over the the wafer. Father, we come to you in the matchless name of Jesus, uh, recognizing Him as the head of the body, but also recognizing Father that that we are members of the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ and members individually, even as your word says, because his physical body was pierced and broken, Lord, and his blood spilled so that we could be born into your kingdom, born again into your family. And Lord, not just be adopted by you, but to be born of you, of your precious seed, partakers of your divine nature. And so, Father, we thank you for what this simple wafer represents, Lord, the eternal redemption, um, the, the, the covenant of healing um, for our bodies, Lord, our physical bodies. And so, Lord, as we partake uh, in faith this morning, I thank you, Lord, that you honor us in agreement with your word as we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the wafer together. Amen. Now, let's open the cup. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I've said it so many times that my children sometimes quote me uh, on this, but Jesus referred to what he endured at the Roman whipping post at the end of that cat of nine tails. And then all the ridicule, the torment, they ripped out his beard, they spit in his face, they put the crown of thorns on his head, they nailed him, they hung him, they pierced him with a sword, all all of that. And the Bible is very clear about it. Jesus knew exactly what was coming. And he called that his cup to drink. And it was a bitter cup. He also knew that he would be separated from his father because he became our sin and sin separates from God. And in just a moment when we put this cup to our lips, I want you to remember that we get to drink this little cup of sweet juice today because someone, our Savior, capital S, someone, capital S, Savior, drank the bitterest cup that will ever be um, you know, ever exist for a, for a human being to drink. He did it for you. He did it for me. 
He did it, right, so that you might be saved. Now, we honor him for that, but he didn't do that, like, with some sense of pride, like, man, I'm fixing to save the world. I'm fixing to be it on a stick for the No, he, he did it in humility. He did it to, to honor God, um, but he also did it to honor you. He realized that he, he recognized and deemed you worthy of such a, a sentence, of such a payment. That he endured the cross, despising the shame, the joy that was set before him. And that joy was him being restored to his father, yes. But you being in him and thereby in him, you also being restored to the father. So, Lord, we again, Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift this cup. Recognizing that we get to drink from a sweet cup because Jesus drank every drop of the bitterest one for us. He drank the cup that we should have all been handed. Lord, but for Jesus, we could not hold this cup in our hand, but we would be doomed to drink a cup of eternal torment and punishment. So, Father, we say thank you for this covenant. We say thank you for this indescribable gift. And we say thank you for the opportunity to honor you and to honor your son this morning by following his instructions and performing, Lord, what he instructed us to perform. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And so, Jesus, as... We go our separate ways. We, we want the honor that we have for you to carry over into our conversation at lunch, Lord, with, with um, those that we'll be with. We want our honor for you to carry over, Lord, into, into our work week next week, Father, and different things that, that are before us. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you have called us into an eternal community that's based upon honor, Lord. And so teach us honor. Help us understand what it means to honor you and to honor others and to honor you by honoring others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Know that your love is